Ryan Johnson has turned to Star Wars in an attempt to rescue the beloved series from the clutches of vile gangster George Lucas. However, J.J. Abrams has constructed a new Star Wars movie of his own. Now completed, diminishing returns must face the film. Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and pass judgment as we await the release of The Last Jedi. Welcome to the third in our great trilogy of Star Wars episodes, uh, not including the original Star Wars. Uh, Today we'll be talking about The Force Awakens, which is the latest proper Star Wars film. And we're talking about it now because it's tying into a film that is coming out this week called Star Wars, the next film. (laughs) The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. I knew it. The Last Jedi. Star Wars... (laughs) The Last Jedi, a Star Wars story. That's what no, it's called. No. It's called. <laughs> it's just Star Wars semicolon The Last Jedi. Uh, okay, so that's coming out this week, and so we've been leading up to it for the last three weeks. There's two previous episodes. If you'd like to go and listen to them, uh, we'll be talking all about Star Wars. This episode, we're particularly talking about The Force Awakens and its direct sequel. So, my name is Alan. I'm here with Sol. Hello. And Calvin. Hello. Saul and I are not fussed about Star Wars. Calvin's a big fan. And mm-hmm. that's where we create drama and conflict and hilarity. Please do listen uh, as we now talk about The Force Awakens. Go. Uh, I think it's great. <laughs> I thought it was all right, actually. <laughs> I fucking hate it. Oh, brilliant. Hey, we've got a good one. We're going to have a good show. Brilliant. Should we talk about how we came to this? Because obviously this is mm. uh, this was a huge deal when it was coming out. This was yes, the first yes. film that Lucasfilm released um since being acquired by disney and it was decided that the that the sequel trilogy was going to be made at all after years of george lucas umming and ahhing saying oh yeah no i totally intended on doing it and then oh no i didn't um and he was supposed to be directing this um it was, was he? he was well he was going to make not uh, after epi- the disney deal not after the Disney deal, but he was going to make episode seven and then sell the company because the idea behind that was that, oh, look how lucrative and successful this movie was. You can buy my company now and then make the rest of them if you want. Um, but apparently it was just, yeah, um, they were like, oh, no, actually, you don't even need to make that. We'll just take <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, Disney now. said, if you make another film, we're not buying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, like, originally they did have a load of story ideas and outlines for George Lucas. Like, he outlined what he thought the sequel trilogy should look like, and mm. they just disregarded it. And, uh, like, no, we're going to do our own thing, actually. But, yeah, I couldn't have been more hyped to see this film. I was very, very lucky that I got to go to the European premiere of the film in London. Um, walk down the red carpet. Um, so I had the a wonderful first time viewing experience for the film. Um, it was a huge premiere, obviously. It was like walking down the red carpet, though obviously there was a line of bodyguards between myself and the stars. <laughs> the important people. Yes, pr- pretty much. <laughs> Um, but they were all there, like Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Daisy Ridley, Kathleen Kennedy was there. They had BB-8, Warwick Davis. Um, yeah, it was a very, very exciting experience. 
Mark Hamill, big part of this film. <laughs> well, that was the thing, like, because the, the secrecy around it was so tight, and we'd seen clips of Harrison Ford in trailers, we'd seen, like, one clip of Carrie Fisher, nothing of Mark Hamill at all. Well, if they'd shown a second of his contribution to the film, that'd be pretty much... <laughs> his entire contribution to the film spoiled, so... Yeah, but he gets second billing. He gets yeah. billing over Carrie Fisher. As Alan's already said, I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Uh, I think the original trilogy is okay, but I'm not a massive fan, and I get annoyed by all the fanboyism. Um, but I, I was excited for this, because... Well, George Lucas wasn't involved. They were getting like a real filmmaker in, J.J. Uh, Abrams, to make it. So from the outset, I was expecting this to be the first Star Wars movie that I could really enjoy, like properly. Because I, I was expecting J.J. Abrams to do what he did to Star Trek, to Star Wars, which was just make a really fun romp that isn't too bogged down in its own mythos and what have you. And... um the trailers were all quite cool, and, and you know, and yeah, I just, I, I, oh, and also, as we've uh, touched on in past episodes, I, I have a real thing, it's one of my boxes you can tick that will just score extra points with me. If you put older versions of characters in a film, if we look at how a character develops as an old man, and, and obviously this film was going to feature a lot of old Han Solo, given all the mm. the trailers and stuff, so... I was um, really quite excited to see it, and I went in with about as open a mind as you could hope for, <laughs> from for someone who's not a massive fan of the franchise to go in with, and um, I fucking hate it. I, I hate this <gasps> film. It fucks me off. It's so shit. Um, uh, well, I suppose I had a similar experience to you, Calvin. I mean, I watched it on DVD last night, um, but there was... <laughs> <laughs> there was... Similar pomp and circumstance. Uh, um, and it, it, as if you listen to last week's episode, I, I said how Rogue One felt more like an adult film. And this, this one mm. took me back to kids' film. This felt like a Star Wars kid, kids' action film. But it, it, it basically delivered what you expect from that. It, mm. um, and I was all right with it. And it was a sort of a, an action romp. And uh, it was fine. So I haven't... Got like major problems with it. I got. I'm sure I can pick bits out, but um, it, it seemed like entertaining kind of kiddie nonsense. It was. See, the, that's the thing. Uh, it, it's. I don't find it entertaining. I find it so boring for the most part. And and I I, I, I rewatched it for this episode and made notes. And I I enjoyed it a lot more on the rewatch because I wasn't in the cinema and I could just go on my phone when it got boring and I didn't have to pay it that much attention. But in the cinema, trapped there, I was squirming in my seat i was furious and oh honestly uh but we'll we'll get to it like i say i've made notes um going Hmm. through okay then well shall we go through the film then and talk about points it starts as is customary with an opening crawl yes the best opening crawl i think um maybe it's just because of the last ones we looked at it was I, I would uh, I would argue that the best opening crawl was the first opening crawl when it was a fresh idea, and every time since it's just been like, right, this is the thing we do. And you know, I, I you know I thought it was fine. It was nice. It kind of got you pumped. Like I say, when I went into this the first time round, I was I was genuinely excited for it. I was really trying my best to to be a Star Wars fanboy and finally get it all. So yeah, I enjoyed the opening crawl. 
Yeah, um, Luke Skywalker has vanished. Being like the first line of it is just, oh, I got, I got shivers down really? my spine. <laughs> yes, I, because I was going to see my one of my childhood heroes on screen again. Nobody's vanished. In the form of C-3PO, and then Luke Skywalker is in the film too, so that's good as well. He's not in the film, he's... Like, I I am nearly in this film as much as Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know one of the biggest reasons why I was so disappointed with this film, actually? The trailer, to me, and what little online rumblings and chatter had kind of punched through the wall I put up and managed to get to me all heavily suggested that Luke was going to the dark side and he was going to be the main villain of this film. What? Well, in the trailer, it, it really looks like they're setting up Luke as the big bad. And and I kind of thought... In, in which trailer? For The Force Awakens? Yeah, whichever one I saw. It really looked to me like they He's were He's not playing... even in the trailers. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It came across to me. I, I really thought they were doing the unthinkable thing of, of making Luke go to the dark side. And I thought that was a genuinely bold, interesting step that made sense. Because, you know, it's corrupted him, This having his dad do all that and die. I, and I was like, that's a really interesting way to play it. And then I get to this film and it's like, oh no, it's just box standard Hollywood, what you'd expect. So just, just getting that off, out, out of the bat. Like, that... That annoyed me, but obviously that's not that's not entirely the film's fault. Um, I don't even know how you got that reading out of the trailers. Like, I I don't know. I think a lot of fan theories were floating around that it was going to happen. Um, I mean, there were similarly fan theories floating around that Jar Jar Binks was going to be the big bad of the film. There was a very compelling fan <laughs> theory about that, uh, even though they obviously weren't going to do that. But I I don't know because, like I say, I I tried to avoid reading anything about the film really because i partly because i'm not interested but partly because when i know i'm going to see a film i try and avoid information about it until i've seen it anyway you know and then mm. go in fresh so whatever i'd taken in it, it just looked to me like they were setting him up to be a villain that was redeemed much like vader and that that would be a really quite interesting emotionally satisfying arc and one that's a lot more real than i was expecting and then you know obviously they didn't do it but mm. anyway, then we then we meet uh, BB-8 rolling around in the desert. Is that right? Yes. Well, BB-8 and one of the new stars, Oscar Isaacs. Um, so BB-8, Oscar Isaac. Would, sorry, BB-8 would be quite a cool little droid design if it wasn't just something they saw in the Phantom Menace, as I discussed a couple of weeks ago, and thought we'll have that and take credit for it. Mm. Uh, I think it's a cute little droid. It's obviously the new generation R2D2. Uh, but I think it's a it's a it's a really cute little design. When you see the behind the scenes stuff, like that thing, actually, like it exists. I've seen well, it. Well, like, you it, can it, tell it... because <laughs> the way it moves in the film is so like a fucking puppet. <laughs> its head moves around like a little thing on a stick. It's like really clunky movements, and it it it, it, it took me out of it on the rewatch. It felt like you guys are trying so hard to adhere to practical effects, and I'm 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 for that. But yes. God, yes! After the prequels, my god! They made a big song and dance as well in a lot of promotional materials about how they were using real masks and. Yeah, but as as we discussed in the prequels, Yoda, when he's a puppet, looks shit in The Phantom Menace. He looked much better in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, and he looked much better in Empire Strikes Back, I would that say. That is true, that is a fair point. Look, I'm, I'm generally all for practical effects, but I, it just, I don't know, BB-8 just seems really wonky in a way that I don't think he's meant to. Like, there's a little man just moving a stick around with a robot head on it. I mean, 
admittedly, there are some shots where there are, like, men in green screen suits, like, running behind him to, like, keep him oh, moving at a certain speed or something. So it is That makes um, sense, because I, I assumed it was all, like, remote control, and it just mm. looked like an awkward puppet because of... But but no, that's that's probably actually what it was. I guess just an awkward. Topic. I think if it, yeah, if he's moving fast or doing some like really dynamic movements, then it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's when he was like when Ray would be talking to him and he'd kind of be looking in and stuff. It was just like oh Christ, it's like fucking Salem mm. on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, <laughs> season one. Did you like him, Alan? BB Eight. Um. Well, it's just R two D two, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know that Bill Hader was a voice consultant for BB-8, the guy from Napoleon Dynamite? No, that's John Hader. Oh. Bill Hader's a Saturday Night Live guy, isn't he? Bill Hader is, uh, he's in Superbad, he he, he works on South Park. Oh, yeah. I just Googled him, yeah. So Oscar Isaac is one of the first new stars that we meet. Um, Now, this is the first thing that fucked me off about this film. Oh? I fucking hate this character. Oh, <laughs> it's such a transparent attempt to just have Han Solo again. <laughs> yeah. It's mm. so lazy. I hate it. And and you know what? Like he's there, and then he gets killed off pretty early on. And I was like, all right, that was like they were saying we're gonna have Han Solo. No, we're not new characters. And and that would be good. But then he shows up halfway through the fucking mm. film, and well, it's like, oh, well, that's what it was supposed to be. You know, he was originally supposed to die, and then. J.J. Abrams rewrote the thing, and yeah. That would have worked as a, like I say, we're, we're doing classic Star Wars. No, we're not. We're going in a new direction. Like, that would have been good. But instead, it's, we're doing classic Star Wars. Oh, yeah, and we're going to mm. just repeat everything from the original trilogy. And, I mean, that, that that's that's the biggest problem I have with this film. It's a series of things from the original trilogy, particularly the first Star Wars film, but a little bit The Empire Strikes Back, rehashed and not as good. And there's there's nothing new in this film. I don't know about that. I think that John Boyega's character is All something right. that we've never really yeah. seen in All Star right. I'll give you before. Him. I've never really cared about stormtroopers, but then suddenly we're given a stormtrooper who's like imbued with a little bit of character here, and mm. it's quite it's quite refreshing and interesting to see that and be reminded that these are all individual people and they're not just you know faceless. Nothing. Well, I thought that because I thought the whole point was they were faceless, like yeah. clones. Well, yeah. Well, I guess this takes place after that when yeah. the clone army has been destroyed, and mm. so they're having to just conscript people. So I guess it's logical, but it does it does kind of take a different direction to humanize the yeah. stormtroopers, doesn't it? My main problem with this, I, they try to have their cake and eat it too with him because yeah, if you want to say, oh yeah, it is people underneath those helmets and Mm. he obviously um has a crisis he doesn't want to do it but he is quite readily to well yeah he's quite readily you know um killing his you know previous comrades um later on with no thought to oh maybe actually if i talk to some of these people they might be (laughs) like-minded that's Um, it if we humanize them then killing them is suddenly more problematic exactly but but i i had the same feeling basically um and it kind of comes up in my sequel pitch that, that I just felt they didn't make any use of the fact that he'd been a stormtrooper. Um, and he I could agree. have just as easily been a, a character who was one of the villagers uh, and escaped. 
yeah. and helped Poe escape and, and, and or yeah, or just a, a guy who just turned up and like got sucked into this story. But I think that is something that they'll play on later on. And yeah. that's the problem with creating films as part of a yeah. an ongoing plot is that you lose elements yeah. in the in the individuals. Mm. Mm. And then we're introduced to our new Darth Vader. Uh, mm. Kylo Ren, and he, he is yes. just a shit knockoff Darth Vader. I mean, to the point where he looks at Darth Vader's helmet and goes, "I want to be more like you." <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. I think that's intentional. I mean, yeah. And so it's Adam Driver. How? Yes. How the fuck did that happen? What's going on? Who is he? Well, I love Adam Driver. He is one of the lead actors in the show Girls, um, where oh. he plays a kind of petulant, like, white privilege, prone-to-anger, out-of-work actor who gets angry and smashes up rooms and has tantrums. But it's a comedy. It's a sitcom. Well, he does that. (laughs) That's basically what he does as as Kylo Ren. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and then then he's cast in this film as pretty much the same thing, but it's meant to be serious? Is it? (laughs) I mean, is it? Because this is the thing. Watching this film, I, I do not know how you're supposed to take Kylo Ren. Because is it meant mm. to be a big joke? Because there is that scene where it's a joke and the stormtroopers walk in and go, rrr, rrr, and walk away. But yeah. but is it meant to be serious? Because the idea that this like angry teenager who's like not mature and just angry is in charge of everything, that, that's quite a good idea. And you could make that very... Um, mm. Scary. He's but... been put into power because of his midichlorians or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so that makes him special. And so he's been sort of thrust into the limelight before he's emotionally ready for it. But you mm. could make that a very genuinely mm. threatening character. But mm. I never know how you're meant to take it in this film. It doesn't come across as threatening at any point. It only ever comes across <gasps> as silly and funny. Oh, and at God. one point the film asks you to laugh at it. So I don't know if it's meant to be... How you, I just don't know how you're meant to take it. it. It really... It doesn't work. I don't think it's supposed to be silly. I mean, yeah, he has a tantrum at one point and we're supposed to laugh, but then similarly, Darth Vader was killing Imperial officers in one of the other episodes and we're supposed to find that funny. Darth Vader doesn't come across like a petulant kid with a bad haircut, whereas... I mean, in the prequels he does. Yeah, he does, but, but those weren't very good. <laughs> no, no, I I mean, I know what you mean. Um, I, It wasn't a problem for me. I think um, it's well judged in... A, there's another scene where there's an Imperial officer giving it, delivering some bad news and Kylo Ren reacts by, like, slashing up one of the computer consoles near him and we, we're supposed to think that that's funny. And then he sort of turns on a dime at the next bit of bad news and he, like, grabs the guy by the throat and then I think we're supposed to find him intimidating and scary but the the, I, the scene just, that really stands works. out to me the scene that really stands out to me where i don't know what we're supposed to think exactly is the scene where he takes his helmet off he has his helmet yeah. off most of the film and at one point he's interrogating one of the other characters he takes his helmet off and the music is building to this moment he takes the helmet off and it's just adam driver and i think we were all sort of expecting well he's going to have some kind of scar or something maybe i throughout the whole film like, honestly, when I first saw it, I was so frustrated he had that helmet on. Because, like I say, I'm a fan of his. I like his. I like him as an actor. I think he's a very talented man. Um, mm. And I was so frustrated he had that helmet on. I couldn't wait for him to take the helmet off. Then he took it off and it was like, no, put it on, put it on again. That, that haircut's ridiculous. You look silly. This doesn't work. But my, my note when he took the mask off was, uh, oh, well, you can see why he wears the mask. He, he kind of comes across as an angsty teen. I think it fits that. You know, when he takes the mask off and he's actually 
sort of a normal looking guy. That's like the point. It's like it's like oh, he's so why why do you nobody cared who I was until I put on the mask? I mean, it, it was clearly cast because he looks just like the child of Han Solo and uh, Princess Leia as well. He looks just like Harrison Ford and <laughs> and uh, Carrie Fisher, doesn't he? Hmm. <laughs> Well, at this point, of course, we don't know that, uh, but we, we, we do quite um, swiftly move to a desert planet, which well, is hang, obviously hang on, Tatooine. Hang on, hang on, hang on, oh. hang on, hang on. I do need to mention that Kylo Ren has a lightsaber with handle bits. I wanted it. to mention that as well. I said, what is the advantage of that? In fact, it seems like a major disadvantage. <laughs> it's just going to cut your hands off. That is like, again, it takes you out of the film because you go, oh, well, of course they had to come up with something new and like they couldn't. You know, they couldn't yeah, uh, beat so... perfection because the original design was spot on. The the double Darth Maul double thing works. It makes sense and it yeah, means he fights in a different and it, way. That's it. It gives him a new style of fighting that this doesn't really do. Because all it means is he can kind of hold the lightsaber at, at, at bay. like. But they did that anyway, just with the middle of the lightsaber in their battles. So it just... Yeah, it's nonsense. Mm. Hmm. I don't mind. I think, I think it looks cool. I think that sets the tone for this film. It's it's rehashed stuff from the old films not done as well without the impact that they had when we first saw them. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's that's the thing. It is uh it is just uh a new hope again. Mm. Um and yeah. I I'll, I'll say I mean that that wasn't something. I mean, it's apparent when you're watching the film. I remember when I was first watching it, it it was quite a while in. It was basically when they're all much later in the film, they're all Stood around a hologram of the new planet killer thing, the star, the star base, uh, star killer base, mm. um, and they're like, "This is how big the Death Star was, and this is how big this is, and it's much bigger, and it's." Uh, and they they conveniently forget to mention the the other Death Star that was built that was bigger than the first Death Star. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like. <sighs> It's it. I honestly, I think it's. I I really think it's unforgivable the level to which this film does it. it it's just. It's offensive. I don't know. It's 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 like they think the audience must have the IQ of of a child, and and yet people lapped well, it up and loved it. So I guess well, I guess never underestimate the public. Saying that, Sol, you. I mean, you've made this criticism before in other episodes of the show, like the Blair Witch film, uh, Evil Dead. That sort, you know, sort of a sort of sequel remakes go. You're much more forgiving to them. Well, Evil Dead Two was an entirely new genre, so although oh, I was talking about, I was sorry, I was talking about the oh, the actual re- remake. Uh, oh, well, it was a very yeah, different yeah, yeah. film tonally and in terms of like, yeah. I mean, what what I'll say is there's a lot more scope to do something new in the Star Wars universe than there is with a load of kids in a cabin in the woods. The, the rehash of Star Wars was Return of the Jedi, and I let them do it that one time without getting too hung up on it. Um, mm. But this is another rehash again, and that's that's the thing. It's, it's the fact that it's so blatant, and it's just, we've done the Death Star twice already, let's do it a third time. If this was the first time they brought back a Death Star, I would have gone with it, but it's not. And like I say, it's 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 everything in this film. It's not just the Death Star element. It's everything. There's a Yoda stand-in. There's a Han Solo stand-in. All the characters. There's a new Darth Vader that's just Darth Vader. And none of them are as good as the original characters. And you're just sat there wishing you were watching the original characters instead. I mean, I I think all these criticisms are perfectly valid. And there's no sort of... 
come back to them, um, but it just doesn't bother me all that much in this. Um, and I'm not sure if it is just because I've, I have so much goodwill coming into the film, seeing Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and C-3PO and all these other characters from this universe. And I just kind of go go with it. I'm I'm all right with that. Um. Anyway, then we we're introduced to Ray, our, our protagonist for the film, who's scavenging yes. a ship. Yes, plays by Daisy Ridley. Um. Okay, she's on a desert planet, and this really bothers me. Just following on from what Sol was saying about um similarities with A New Hope. Um. Mm. This isn't Tatooine. It's a new planet called Jakku. But it might as well be Tatooine, am I right? Like, But they obviously don't yes. want to say it's Tatooine because they don't want to have a plucky young hero coming from the exact same planet. Yeah. But if it's not going to be Tatooine, don't make it a desert planet. Make it something yeah, else. Yeah, make it a volcano It really bothers planet. me. Make it a... Anything. A, 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 a crystal, like a diamond planet. Um, and we're introduced to Simon Pegg as uh, oh, right. Ungar yeah. Plutt, who is... One of the highlights of the film, although I'm not sure if I'm a fan or not. Um, he's certainly one of the better I, elements yeah. in there. Uh, he's back in the sequel. Is he? Yeah. I don't well, mind he was him a- as, a, as a, you know, one-quarter portion. like Just very one-dimensional character. character. But I, I cannot mm. stand when, when they steal that ship and he runs out and goes, Hey, that's mine! <laughs> It's like <laughs> it's like they'd written brackets placeholder funny line and then they came to shooting and no <laughs> one could think of like a good line for him to say. So he just goes, That's yeah. mine. Oh, it's so mm. But but he he gives her a um she's scavenging parts from a ship and uh she trades them in for food, and then she goes home and she puts powder in some water, and it turns into bread, and that's a really nice little moment—just a cool little yeah, space cool bread. Mm. Yeah. She lives in an eighty-eighty. It's brilliant. I love that. I love that scene where she's just sat eating her <laughs> dinner, and she puts on the um, the pilot's helmet, and she sees a starship flying off somewhere in the distance, and she looks mm. over at it, and she's just yeah. Oh, um, I think it's really nice. And then after this, we're introduced to General Hux, played by Ron Weasley's brother, uh, Kylo Ren's yeah. kind of aide. And he is quite possibly the worst actor I have ever seen in a mainstream film. <laughs> it, his performance is unforgivable. It is appalling. Uh, every line that comes out of his mouth, and it's not like he has to emote very much in this film, is is cringy. Agree? Disagree? Well, uh... I was trying to figure out like what he was trying to do with it. Mm. It felt like he was trying to do something that maybe didn't work or, and like it needed more direction because mm. uh, yeah, because he was basically, it, it becomes a big Nazi thing by, by the end. And so he's kind of doing this very kind of wide eyed, slightly psychotic evil guy. But uh, yeah, it felt like he'd gone with a character decision and then it just never worked. Well, that's it. Like that—that that character decision, I'm on board with. I just don't think he's very good at doing it. My problem with it is that he just goes far too broad, and it's—we've uh, never seen a character like yeah. that. Like Peter True. Cushing was very reserved, very—you know—when they blew up the planet in A New Hope, he—you know—he didn't have a tear in his eye like the guy does in The Force Awakens. And there's just—there's just a lip snarl too much in every scene he's in. There's just too much intensity in his eyes. There's too much like pantomime Captain Hook villain, but without the jokes. 
Um, well, apparently, in Oscar Isaac, well, Oscar Isaac, uh, I think he complained about this. He said that, um, like, he would do every scene a variety of ways, a variety of intensity, and J.J. Abrams would always choose the most sort of over-the-top, <laughs> um, enthusiastic take. And I wonder if that was a similar thing here with Domhnall Gleeson, because mm. I think he's a good actor in other stuff. I've seen him in Next Machina, um, Harry Potter is fine... I think he's a perfectly good actor. Uh, and then, yeah, Poe comes back again, I think, because I've written a note yeah. about him. And, and Poe comes back and... Um... Like, I just wish they'd... I wish they'd waited till Han Solo was, like, dead and buried before they started ripping him off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he meets um, John, Boye- John Boyega's character, who breaks him out of captivity because he needs a pilot to get him off this star destroyer um because he has decided that he wants to leave the um empire uh whatever it is called john boyega's character finn it's called with finn i just feel like yeah it never the character never goes anywhere and i think it's going to play out later we just got no backstory for him either we didn't get anything Mm. to grab hold of so he was just sort of floating around in this film and it was just i think up until this point you're given enough but a good film would start dripping in backstory at this point, and you never get that. It just kind of yeah, forgets yeah. that he's there almost, because then it transitions into Daisy Ridley. What's her character? Ray. It transitions yeah. into her as a protagonist and kind of forgets that he's even there. His arc sort of finishes, like, what, halfway through the film? It's basically that he <coughs> needs to, you know, uh, grow some balls um, and pluck up the courage to to do the right thing, but he does that by the midpoint of the film. Mm. So for the next hour, he's kind of just in the really background, going anywhere. Yeah, and I don't even think we doubt at any point that oh, maybe he'll go back to his stormtrooper ways or anything like that. Um, no, there's never yeah. any conflict in it, yeah. within him, is there? So I, I kind of like that. Mm. I think Ray and Finn are both decent enough characters that I'm kind of happy to see how their story plays out in in future mm. films. Uh, mm. They're pretty much the only two new characters that I I would even say I don't dislike in this film. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, I think the actors both do good jobs. Yeah, yeah, got, they've got good chemistry. And like, so I I, um, I particularly like Finn, and I think there's potential for something interesting mm. there, even though this film completely ignores it. Um, what a note here is that I find the action scenes in this film like weirdly boring. I just completely switch off of them. I feel like I'm Alan because Alan just does this with everything yeah. and he hates action. <laughs> are you are you talking about this bit when because Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and BBA all meet up and they are being pursued by stormtroopers mm. and they find the Millennium Falcon? Yes. And then the second they're on the Millennium Falcon, and then and then there's like this noise, and they're being docked by like another ship, and it's played like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? And it's like, well, of course it's gonna be fucking Han Solo and Chewie. Like, not only have we seen the trailer, but of course it's gonna be Han Solo and Chewie, obviously. And I was so annoyed that they like played it like this big thing, and then they walk in and they wait for the audience applause to die down, and. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I'd forgotten that they were in it. Uh, in fact, the note I wrote when it happened was, oh God, I forgot all the pensioners were in this. Um, <laughs> because I had forgotten that they were coming back in. Um, mm. So, yeah, but bef- prior to that, it was aggravating me all this. And I don't know if you, if there's if there's going to play out some justification of it later on, but the coincidence, basically, that this planet mm. just happens to be the one where the Force Girl lives. 
the fact the fact that he the first bit of civilization he comes to uh, not only is the robot there that he's looking for that could be anywhere on the planet, also the girl who's gonna the only person who could realistically help him. They've already and explained then, it, and then it's like, oh look, it's the Millennium Falcon. That's a weird coincidence, isn't it? They've already explained it, Alan. George Lucas did this back in the Phantom Menace. It's midichlorians <laughs> guiding everyone. Yeah, that, well, that's what I'm thinking. Is there some sort of in-universe explanation that the Force just sort of makes things happen as plot contrivances? Midichlorians. I can go with a lot of these um, Midi- plot contrivances. As we call them, but um, the the only one that I can't go with is that they because they're barely off the planet five minutes mm. when they're being you know um, taken into another ship and it just so happens to be Han Solo yeah. and Chewbacca who was apparently he drops the line about like how he's been we looking for the ship yeah. or something like that um, and it's like well you were very close then mate yeah and uh, my my note about Harrison Ford actually is that um, he looks like he's high in all of his scenes. But it looks like he kind of had to get high because his joints were hurting because he's a bit old. That's like, it. It's probably all the painkillers he's yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to well, keep he, like, him moving. He broke a leg like uh, on the set because one of those sliding um, Millennium Falcon doors went down like too early or too su- or too late or something, and yeah, he, sus- filming had to be suspended for a while, I believe. I, I like I like Harrison Ford, and I was happy for him to show up in this film. Uh, but at the same at the same time on the rewatch, it did feel a bit awkward and like he wasn't quite sure. It it, it reminded me that he's not an actor. You know how Alan was slagging him off in our Blade <laughs> Runner episode, and I was kind of defending mm. him. Watching this, it's like, oh yeah, he is struggling a bit, isn't he? It's just how I like him, but uh... <laughs> he he looks like he's having fun here, which is more yeah, than what yeah. he you know in other films from later on in his career. Um, you know what I was surprised about? I thought that Chewbacca was going to have a few grey hairs on him, but uh, no. <laughs> that would have been good. He... I thought they were just going to hint at a bit of an aging thing, and yeah. then it occurred to me, well, no, obviously they're not going to do that, because Chewbacca is, uh, you can put anyone in that costume, as long as they're tall, um, oh. and you can market that character, it's a mask, yeah. you can put him on a cereal box, he never has to change. Are Wookiees, re- like, do they live hundreds of years then? Apparently so, I guess, uh, considering he hasn't changed since but you know well we see him in the prequels and he looks exactly the same yeah exactly they can have new characters that are just wookies and look exactly the same and then the film just stops dead but for like a half hour sequence about a slug that's nothing to do with anything attacking everyone on this... the spaceship yeah this whole chunk is my least favorite section of the film there's no need for any of it just cut the whole fucking scene well this is Okay, here's a bit of fun action. We just run around a bit. It's but we've just had a bit of fun action. Escape the on the spaceship. I guess it's to endear these new characters to Han and Chewbacca. Yeah, I just... um, and they need to have this adventure to fully trust one another. Right, okay, we're all on the same side. I think it would have been a lot better yeah. if they just had them do that when they land and encounter Kylo Ren and have a bit of a fight there and just deal with it then. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It's so clearly just shouldn't be here. It's just a tangent. Mm, mm. I mean, it is the first and only time that we see Han Solo actually smuggling anything to say he <laughs> yeah. is supposed to be a smuggler. Yeah, true. Um, but then we get they, we get Han Solo behind the controls of the Millennium Falcon, and that brought a tear to my eye on my first. Uh, you see, that's viewing. and I think Solo probably agree with me. They they put that in there for people like you, and then for people yes. like us, it just seems like, oh god, this is such a wanky oh, bit of nonsense. It's a real moment, like when he goes in by himself and he just like rests on the chair and he's like looking around, smiling, like, ha ha, here I am. It's... Anyway, they they heavily imply that um, Ray is 
Han Solo's daughter for a little bit as a kind of red herring. Yes. And that's a nice little... Um, Did they? I'm not sure I even picked up on that. They have a lot of bonding and he kind of gets a bit fatherly and he's sort of like, you know, yeah. Well, at what point do we know that Kylo Ren is his son? Because I well, they I they land I'm... and doesn't Carrie Fisher come out and then yeah, I think it's just when we see Carrie Fisher again. I think that's when it's all revealed. I know that I only ever thought that Ray was Luke's daughter. Well, she still might be. Well, yeah, she, obviously, she, she obviously is. is. I don't well, oh, I don't know about that. If she turns out not to be, it's because they've gone, oh, it's too obvious, let's throw a spanner at it. There are theories that she could be um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's daughter. Same thing. Which means that he would have to have been very, very old. Uh, And she'd have to have been born, like, immediately. The other thing about um, Rey's backstory, and we sort of see... She she's re- she refuses to leave the planet she's on, even though she's got a shit life, because her family's coming back, her family's coming back. But then when we actually get the full backstory, she was, like, abandoned when she was four or something. Mm. It's like, who mm. who's, like, 15, 16 years later, how old she's supposed to be, was, is going to be holding on to that. It never That never added up for me. It never made sense. That, that character should have had more, like, oh, yeah, I've kind of got a memory of something happened and this person, and then they left, and uh, I don't remember anything. God, get me off this planet. You know, as soon as an opportunity comes, I'm going to be off here. In fact, I'm saving no, up because... all my quarter portions to, to fuel this jet. I'm going to build myself and get off here. No, no, you can't do that because then she is just Luke Skywalker again. The difference between her and Luke <laughs> is that Luke couldn't wait to get off the planet, or, uh, his desert planet. She wants to stay on hers. But she, she is practically just Luke Skywalker again, and they even dress her like Luke Skywalker. It feels like they've gone, oh, this is Luke Skywalker. Let's just change it. Let's say she doesn't want to leave. Why? Um, she thinks her family's coming back. All right, yeah, let's put in a 30-second bit that explains that. Okay. And so there you go. So so at this point, we've got Luke Skywalker knockoff, Darth Vader knockoff, Han Solo knockoff. Um, and Han Solo as well. And Han Solo. Make, just to annoy him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, R2-D2 uh, knockoff. R2-D2 knockoff. Oh, and a Yoda knockoff, but we've not got to that yet. That makes John Boyega C-3PO. There's only one C-3PO. <laughs> So then the film lands in this green place anyway. They deal with Kylo Ren and everything. and it, it's Is this where they go and meet the minion and um, then and then we get all the, the sort of Luke <laughs> si- lightsaber connection and all that? Maz Kanata. They go to a knockoff cantina to visit knockoff Yoda, who is a giant minion. And, <laughs> and that's it. That, that, that is it. There, there's nothing about it. It's just a minion. It annoys me that in that cantina scene there are no, um, like... Callbacks to I know I complained last week about too many callbacks, but all of the alien creatures in this cantina look completely new, and it would be nice. Yeah, we should have had like Gloopy McDrool, his uh, <laughs> cousin playing the uh, recorder. Yeah. I would have liked that. I would have liked because I I was looking out for it, and it was kind of disappointing that it wasn't there. Um, um but it's it's around this point that they like blow up a planet and. Yes, they blow up a whole system. Yeah, and they somehow make it boring. Isn't that <laughs> like how did they manage to make that so dull? It's it's an odd like music choices. Um, it doesn't help that we don't know anyone on the planet. There was some deleted footage because the uh, is it Freema Adjuman, the actress? Who sorry? I don't know who that is. Freema Adjuman. She was a Doctor Who um companion for like two series and she is when when we see the um the planet being blown up it gives you a close-up of a woman uh, yeah is she the one looking up at the sky all all worried yeah well they should have left that in 
No, but then that would have revealed Leia much earlier than it did in the film. So? Leia had an, a different introduction. And I agree, I would have been all for her being introduced earlier, because C-3PO was introduced earlier too. Yeah, get more Leia in there, that's great. We we want the original actors in there. And at this point, it's like 40 minutes into the film anyway, isn't it? Um, mm, my my yeah. note here is there's there's no sense of impact or consequence for blowing up an entire planet. If they'd had that scene mm. in there, it sounds like they would have given us a bit of something there on a human level. Yeah, I'd like to address something here that seems to just be let go in, in the world of Star Wars. In a world that has sophisticated projectile weapons, a lightsaber's a bit of a shit weapon um... that's only used for close combat. Well, you can def- you can reflect laser shots relatively easily yeah. if you've got one. So it's a good defensive weapon if you're a skilled Jedi. Maybe you should carry a blaster and a lightsaber so that when you go into like the lightsaber yeah. duel with one hand, you can reach in for your blaster with the other hand and like go pew pew pew. Well, shouldn't it shouldn't it be able to double up? Like you press one button, it shoots, and then you press the stick it to three feet button, and there you go. That'd be good for Last Jedi. They should do that. That's the next lightsaber, the improved model that's actually an improvement. <laughs> it makes a lot more I do sense love than putting a... It's the same, but you press a button and it gets really long. So if you stood on the other <laughs> side of the room, you go... Or like and a, it just like goes like, like a, a really long lightsaber and you kind of... Like a laser pointer into someone's face and they go, ah, get out of my eyes, and it chops their head off. <laughs> you, can, you can blind people with that. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how John Boyega uses it like a blunt instrument, though. He's obviously not <laughs> yeah. sword-trained or anything like that, and I think that's a nice mm. um, nice touch. It's also just nice to see someone who isn't a Jedi using mm. one. Well, that was something else, actually, that I, I thought it would be really good, what they should have done in the original thing, whatever, but got some fight specialist, some like sword-fighting specialist, right, to create... A kind of uh, what's it called? Lightsaber fighting style. You know, if you're fencing, then it's all designed with a point on the end. If you're sword fighting, broadswords, it's all like cutting mm. edge. And so you do a di- you you're trying to do different things with it. Yeah. With a lightsaber, you can literally like poke it through someone. You can slice them. You can, and you can't even let it touch you, otherwise it'll mm. be very damaging. And I think that would create a very different fighting style. And I think if, mm. in terms of creating a world that feels real, that would be really cool if there was a very distinct style that they fought in because of the way the weapon works. You know what would be cool for a future villain as well? You give them like a special power glove on their left hand. So they can handle a... Yeah, so they can handle the lightsaber like blade. So when they're caught in that standoff where they're holding the lightsabers against each other, they can like reach up with their left hand and push it in against the other person really slowly and menacingly. That'd be cool. <laughs> or just use it. Yeah, or just use it as a defensive thing. You can parry the lightsaber yeah, away. That'd yeah, be cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah, anyway, then the stormtroopers attack, and it's basically like the opening scene again, and it's just a bit dull. And then Kylo Ren shows up, and then my next note is that Admiral Ackbar's back. Hooray! Hooray! Yes. Is that a fair summation of what's going on? Um. Yeah, more or less. But we are, we are sort of... Um, skirting over um, the Princess Leia, or General Leia as she now is, um, Han Solo reunion, which is a big moment for people like me. Um, And C-3PO pops up and spoils the moment, which is nice as well. He's got a red arm. But yeah, um, so just on Carrie Fisher, because obviously she's not really an actress anymore at this point. Um, But I thought she did kind of well. Um, all things considered. She plays it, She yeah, but they, they have this reunion, but it plays in a way that works with those characters, that they're not 
over-exuberant, oh my God, I'm so in love with you kind of characters. They're always yeah, very too yeah. cool for the room kind of guys. And so that works when they have this meeting after many years, you know there's still a bit of chemistry there. Mm. And it's mm. and it, it works. I think that's it's just enough. And they're like, you know, we've got that kid that mm. like went a bit astray. Mm. Can you you might have to kill him. <clears throat> I do think it's a real shame that, you know, that she was being set up to be quite a big part in episode nine, I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that that's not happening anymore. Uh they 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 talked about the possibility of, you know, CGIing her into it and stuff like that, but uh, give her the old mm. Peter Cushing. But I think they ultimately <laughs> decided and came out and said they weren't gonna do that and the character's mm. gonna be killed off, I believe, in fact. Um Yeah, well, but you I know mean, there's gonna be to like be. there's gonna be a character introduced like a third of the way through the film that is like, Oh look, it's um General Dolores. She's uh, she's about <laughs> sixty five She's quite she's quite experienced in the Rebel Alliance. She'll she'll help us out with this. I, I do think it's a real. Well, Laura Dern mm. is in there, and Laura Dern seems like a good like oh segue. Yeah, uh, there. I do think it's a real shame that I don't know. They just they're clearly going in a direction, and it's going to have to like segue and do something else. And I think it'll probably ultimately damage the film as a result. You've seen the trailer for the new film, The Last Jedi, right? Yeah, once in the cinema, I've forgotten everything about it. Well, in the trailer, the way it plays in the trailer, it basically says Kylo Ren kills Princess Leia, uh, General. Leia. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to kill her in the next film. I think they're going to wait until Episode Nine, and that's going to start with maybe even in the opening crawl, Princess Leia has died. Or well, in the, like have that. you seen the trailer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it basically shows him killing her, but they might have obviously just fudged uh. that to make it look that way. But it seems like what they did with. Han Solo, they're just going to sort of do that again to get rid of her. It's like, oh right, he's this is you know how he, he you know we know he's definitely evil when he killed uh, Han Solo. Well, now he's killed his mum as well. God, well, what else have we got? Go on. Well, then we're introduced to there being a bigger Death Star, and I, I think I've made my point pretty clear how much I hate that and the fact the fact that this is the third Death Star and they're just literally rehashing the same old shit. So that's dreadful. The uh, it's around about here where we have a uh, uncredited stormtrooper cameo. Yeah, yes, um, we, we need to touch on this for obvious reasons. Daniel Craig, did you spot him, Alan? Did you know he was there? Well, obviously has he got a helmet on. Yes. Well, obviously, I didn't spot him then, did I? You mean you is, couldn't tell? Was he the particularly the buff voice? one that's wearing a suit that <laughs> looks too tight for him? Has <laughs> 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 he got a Scottish accent? Uh, <laughs> Ding dong! Uh, but yeah. Oh no! <laughs> All right, hello. Oh, hello, it's me, Stormtrooper Bond. <laughs> oh no, I've banged my head on the door frame. <laughs> Bloody hell! Uh, oh, off he goes. Seems like that's going to be a recurring thing um, after they've got Prince's Harry and William and uh, who was the other one? Tom Hardy as Stormtroopers in the next one. Yeah, you have someone over to visit the set and they're like, oh, just, you know, we need a Stormtrooper in the scene. Yeah, you have a little... Totally pointless. I mean, it doesn't detract from the film in any way. It's just a little bit of fun for the people making it, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. but it's all around here when they're on Starkiller Base, and there's a um, there's about to be a, a space battle outside with old Tie Fighters and X Wings and all that kind of stuff. All good, but yeah, we get to the point where um, Harrison uh, ha- Han Solo comes face to face with his son Kylo Ren. This scene and tries to tempt him is over to the light, um, and fails. And is killed in a very unsatisfying way for 
a fan such as myself. I couldn't believe what shit I was watching. I just, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> this should have been such a powerful, important scene. And yet, the yeah. second he enters that room, you know what's about to happen. There's no, there's yes. no question of where the film is going. The film seems to think there is. The film seems to think it's being very clever and you couldn't possibly pick up on the double meaning in, in the words that he's saying and what what's he possibly going to do? Well, of course, he's going to fucking chop him in half like Darth Maul. And it's so shit because that's Han Solo and I know there's something to be said for not giving your character an overblown death and dropping a bridge on him, and, and but this is Star Wars and it, it, it follows basic, like, archetypical conventions, and you want Han Solo to get a proper send-off if you're going to kill him. And I can appreciate that Harrison Ford almost certainly said, I'm only coming back if you kill me off because I'm not doing this shit anymore. So I can appreciate (laughs) that they couldn't write him into... Ten million quid. Yeah, they couldn't write him into (laughs) episodes eight and nine as much as, like, it's going to be a damn shame to not have him there, especially given that Carrie Fisher won't be there. And I get that it's an important turning point for Kylo Ren, but it it's just handled so badly, and it's so predictable, and it's badly acted, and it's not the twist the film thinks it is, and it's really unsatisfying, and it's I hate it. it it's just bad. It is very unsatisfying, especially for a character like that to go out that way. Like, he's a smuggler, he's a wisecracker, he's everyone's favourite part of the first trilogy. I don't know, I, I wasn't bothered by it, I was okay with this. I, I don't think, I mean, Calvin, what did you think? As a, as a proper fan, you were unsatisfied. I, I should have been moved. Like, if I'm, if, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna tear up at, you know, him, Han Solo being in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, if I'm gonna get tingles when I see Leia come onto screen and see 3PO and all these things that are really pushing all my buttons, and for this I don't feel anything, and I, 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 I it, and it took me out of the film because I was like, this is a really big moment and I knew it was coming and I was waiting for it because I just, it's its famous that Harrison Ford wanted to be killed off in the second film he was in, yeah. um, Empire Strikes Back. Um, he's been wanting to be killed off for like three films in a row, so I just assumed going into it that that's what was going to happen. But yeah, for him, to, and I don't even know if I wanted him to have a big overblown hero's exit. It just should have been um, emotional on some level, like even for... Yeah. Not a big Star Wars fan. For someone like me who can appreciate that that's Han Solo, it just kind of happens and then you get on with it and it's just very unsatisfying and nothingy and mm. doesn't. But the only person there who would care is Chewbacca. And he, he does his Chewbacca growl. What, what more do you want? That's the height of Chewbacca emotion. Well, I like that he shoots Kylo Ren and he hits him with that crossbow. Gun, I think that's really good. The thing that really riles me up is later on, when they return to the planet where Princess Leia is, General Leia, there's a moment where Leia is walking towards Rey, who she's never met before in her life, by the way, and her and Chewbacca cross paths. Like, literally, they're right next to each other, and they don't even look at each other, They don't because she has felt through the Force that this has happened and Han Solo's dead, and they don't even look at each other, there's no acknowledgement, there's no... <laughs> there's nothing, and that really upset me. And J.J. Abrams has come out and said that that was a mistake. Yeah, um, that's I hadn't noticed that, but uh, yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, may, perhaps uh, Wookiees just have no kind of emotional connection. <laughs> like maybe they're just a very <laughs> unempathetic race. And so that's why... I feel as though we see 
stuff that would contradict that in the other films. I might be wrong, and maybe the fact that he doesn't get given a medal at the end of Star Wars is them being like, well, it's going to be a waste of time. Wookiees don't care about anything, so just don't waste the money on it. That's it. I feel like we're at a point now where we, the like, I think like in um, he doesn't get a, a medal because no one thought that the audience would care, quite frankly. Um, but we're at a point now where obviously the audience do care about him, and they're still not going to give him mm. moments that they would give other characters. Mm. Emotional moments. Well, they, they did try in the Star Wars Holiday Special, and it didn't work out very well. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, good yeah. point. I watched this film three days ago, something like that. I can't tell you now what happens at the end, apart from she meets Luke right at the end. I don't know what... Mm. The, there's some big battle thing, and yeah. Kylo Ren must get away, because he's still in the films. Yep. There's a big lightsaber battle out in the snow between Rey and Kylo, which is yeah. pretty cool. Um, and then there's sep- there's a very convenient earthquake, um, which separates the two of them. Um, Finn is sort of slashed up the back with a lightsaber. Was he? And that sounds a bit. That sounds a bit dirty. Actually, <laughs> saying that, but um, he- but he is. Yeah, he ends the film unconscious. He's not. That's because John Boyega uh, said he didn't want to come back for another film, so they they left it ambiguous so that they could uh, write him out <laughs> if they had to. <laughs> That's not true. It's called Um, the Alec Guinness ending. (laughs) (laughs) And then they succeed in blowing up the planet. Anyway, everyone gets back to the the base, the resistance base, and everyone's sort of moping around. And then R2-D2, who we saw earlier on in low power mode or something, I think they say, uh, he wakes up and he has part of the map that BB-8 has the other part of, and they join the maps together to find where Luke is. So Ray heads off to meet Luke, she, Chewbacca, and R2-D2, and they are in the Millennium Falcon, which I think is a bit too much, because Ray is obviously going to be the new Jedi of the series, and you can't be a new Jedi and pilot the Millennium Falcon. That's too much good well, stuff. You can't do you all know, that. They, 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 they said you can't direct Star Trek and Star Wars, and this, this film <laughs> is a middle finger to that. Fair so. enough. Did you notice that BB-8 kind of just gets forgotten about in the last third of the film? Because he's yeah. kind of out of place now. It's just like, oh. Did you notice as well, you know when they went to meet the... Um, uh, the little yellow thing. Yoda. With, yeah. Um, Minion. There was this shot and they're all there. They go up these stairs to um, to, to the big the pub or whatever. And just as BB-8 gets to the stairs, it sort of subtly pans away. And then we go in the door <laughs> and we're in the place. And BB-8's there with them. It's like, how do we get him up the stairs? Let's just pan away. <laughs> and not, not, not directly address that. I'm sure there's some uh, way of getting him there. We do see him go down some stairs. Down. Do yes. Down's a lot easier down, than up down. as a ball. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not if you're a horse. Anyway, we get the ending where Ray climbs a little mountain hill thing uh, and takes out Luke Skywalker's lightsaber and presents it to him. And he's, and he's looking at um, her like a sad dog. I, I teared up. I was so thrilled by this ending. I, uh, yeah. Well, my my main thought with that scene, I liked it, it worked. She, like, hands out the lightsaber, he looks, and it's like, oh my god, this moment, and then it's it goes, da-da-da-da-da-da, like the music kicks in, the credits. But instead of doing that, they just hold on for about another 17 seconds of just her pointing the lightsaber out. He's like, oh, oh. it just goes on t- like three times longer than it should do, and it just loses all the tension that it creates. And it, it does, um, it does beg the question how the next one's going to work with two Yodas. 
because you've got Luke now <laughs> and Minion. He's in. <laughs> she's gone. She's not going to get involved. He's Obi Wan. Oh no, she's Yoda. back. Yeah, but she's not going to get like. She's not. Is she a Jedi? She's not a Jedi. She's, she? she's Yoda. No. So she's not going to. Well, she's not. She can't train. Well, Just because she's short. She's 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 busy looking after Gru and going off on adventures with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with him and, and Kevin and Bob and the gang, <laughs> Stuart and and anyway and uh, Lucy is it Gru's Gru's girlfriend Gru Grucy Grucy and the girls uh, so and the girls and, uh, well, and Drew um... his his brother from the new one. Okay, it's not relevant. Um, we... <laughs> anything else before we? Uh... <laughs> Well, my my point, my last point, is that this film uh, brought John Williams back to do the score. Not a single mm. remotely memorable new theme. Just completely rehashed music. And when you consider that even Attack of the Clones managed to give us a memorable new theme, not to mention Jewel of the Fates and The Phantom Menace, I think that is offensive. <sighs> I think Ray has a theme, which is quite nice. Um, but yeah, I agree that I think the music is lacking. Um, the only time I really notice it is when it's reprising a theme from the old trilogy. So like Luke's theme at the end or Princess Leia's theme. Um, Imperial mm. March plays for a few bars um, when we see Vader's helmet. Wow. But that's it, really. Talking of Star Wars music, do you guys remember that I've prepared a, a Star Wars music quiz? <laughs> no. Well, I have. <laughs> Remember our James Bond quiz where we did that music? Yeah. And yes. you, had to, you had to guess if it was Bond or Schmond. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, we're doing much the same thing now because uh, you have to tell me if the following tracks are Star Wars or. Come on, help, help me out with this. Schmart. Star Schmores. I've got a selection of bits of music for you, and you have to tell me if they are. From official, if basically, is it a Star Wars piece of music officially? Is it something officially to do with Star Wars, or is it not? Is it something I've put in there to throw you off the scent? Very similar mm, quiz. Okay, I don't think I'll be very good at this one. So you get a point. You get a point yeah. for a correct guess, whether it's it's real or not. And then if you can tell me what the thing is actually from, then I'll I'll chuck you another point. Right? Are we ready? Okay. Yep. Let's okay. go. Yeah, well, that was yeah. that was the Star Wars theme tune as a eighties game show. <laughs> By the sounds of it, do you think that was an official was? official production or? Well, if it wasn't, it was definitely a, a rip off, <laughs> an officially. Rip-off. You know, it might it might be so some sort would, of bootleg. I think it must be official. Yeah, it'd be like. Yeah, that was a, it was a nice, easy one to start with. That was the... Is that the holiday special? That was the... Uh, no, it's Medley Star Wars 12-inch version by Miko from uh, music inspired by Star Wars and Other Galactic Funk, which was a an officially <laughs> sanctioned Star Wars product released in the... Uh, I want to say the 70s, maybe the 80s. Anyway, that, that's, that's your easy starting question. Your starter for 10.
the that was the Minions. <laughs> um, is there an album like Minions do songs from the films? Songs, sounds of Hollywood uh, by the Minions. Possibly, but uh, no. I mean, you're, you're correct. That those are the Minions uh, with Tiki Tiki they... Babalu from uh, Despicable Me Three. So, so there you go. <laughs> you'll, you'll know. You'll know why I've done that in a minute. <laughs> oh, that's good. This got to be the Ewoks, right? Yes, it's the original ending song from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> nyub nyub. It's uh, it's, um, it's the minions, isn't it? it sounded like. <laughs> so, no, no, no. It's Ewoks. So, um, so it's basically, so what you're saying is that the minions are guilty of cultural appropriation. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, but then Star Wars did it back to him, so it's you know. It's, it's <laughs> okay, next. We are the I don't think that's a, I don't think that's official Star Wars. I think that's Schma Wars. Oh, Calvin, do you what do you think about that one? I I've never heard it before, so I'm also going to go Schma Wars. Ah, I've beaten you both. It's uh, that is the Ewoks theme tune from the Ewoks cartoon series. Oh. Mm. is that the theme to the whole show? Yeah, it's not very catchy. No, it's 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 really <laughs> odd, isn't it? It's like some fucking experimental <laughs> Devo song. It's weird. Anyway, uh, next next up. Okay, I think this is going to be the main theme song. (laughs) 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 So you you think that's the main theme tune to something, do you, Calvin? (laughs) I was going to say the main theme tune to another uh, 1970s, 80s um, sci-fi adventure that was going to be ripping off Star Wars, but then the lyrics started and I quickly realised that no, this is Schmar Wars. I think this is a song called Chewbacca, which is a song made to commemorate Chewbacca um, by Electric Six. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, it... um... You, you're right to be looking out for Electric Six, as we as we all know, <laughs> a big fan, and I will crowbar them in wherever possible. But uh, that was Chewbacca by Supernova Chili, uh, and it was it was used most famously in in Clerks, the Kevin Smith film. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, that rings a bell. Moving swiftly on.
think this is music from a Star Wars video game. Mm. That sounded to me like a like a 12-piece orchestra trying to do music that was written for a 72-piece orchestra. Like it was just <laughs> wasn't quite big enough, like it needed a bit more kick. That's why I'm thinking game. Well, so I'm thinking, yeah, cheap, cheap version of TV proper show. music. So I think it might be official music, but I don't know what for. Yeah. Ooh, like a school band doing it or something. Uh, was it did Michael Giacchino score any Star Wars video uh, games? No, that and... that was um the Imperial Suite from Rogue One. Poor, poor Michael Giacchino. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh shit. Oh, dear. Uh... Didn't even know what yeah, God. We hmm. watched it a few days ago, it's not very memorable, is it? But I got that it was Michael Giacchino. That, that is true. Yeah, yeah, for a while then. Hmm. I assumed he must have because I know he did video games when he was like starting out. So, right. Next one. Tapping um, fun. Is that the song that Droopy McCool plays in the cantina? Oh, <laughs> you know how the cantina music goes. The boopy boopy booby boop boop. Oh yeah. That's right. What's the bit where Jabba's got a slave girl singing? That's um well that is the bit with McCool, whatever his oh, name is, isn't it? No, that 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 is uh, that is Lapty Neck, uh, which is uh, performed by Jabba's slave girl, I believe, at some point in the film. Oh, so, well, well I got it. Yeah, I nailed it. Lapty neck. I think that version was that song was changed to another one that for the special edition. But anyway. <laughs> Girl meets boy. They fall in love. She says he's everything she's dreamed of. But when they get married, before he's aware, she changes his habits, the way he combs his hair. She changes him to someone he's never been, and then complains he's not like other men. Now really, I find this most illogical. (laughs) Take the case of your automobile. Mm. Well, that I mean, that music style predates 1977, <laughs> so it's not Star Wars. But I do believe that maybe Leonard Nimoy <laughs> Spock sings songs from the shows or something, like that, whatever it was. Yeah, that, that that was the song "Highly Illogical" by Leonard Nimoy in character as Spock. Uh, you are quite correct. It's basically basically just him listing. Uh, don't don't you just hate it when type situations and then going highly illogical. We have a scarf for Skywalker, right? Yes. And perfume for the princess? Yes. yes. What about Han Solo? Couldn't we get him here? That leaves one big problem. The Wookiee. Couldn't we get him a comb? We gave him a comb last year. What can you get? A wooden for Christmas when he already owns a comb. <laughs> you get in a hurry for a furry guy. 
What can you get a Wookiee for Christmas? When he already owns a comb. Um, I believe that was some kind of official song, wasn't Star Wars it? does Christmas. It, it was. It was uh, from the official Star Wars album, Christmas and the Stars, uh, <laughs> by Miko, who did that disco version of the Star Wars thing you heard earlier. <laughs> it's Electric Six! <laughs> They go. <laughs> they go. <laughs> they go. They go. They go. Star. They go. They go. They go. That's easily the worst thing you've ever done. <laughs> 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 That's a remix I made earlier. I think you need you need to do a full version and, and post it <laughs> online. <laughs> Gentlemen can watch while I'm scrubbing the floors, and I'm scrubbing the floors while you're gawking. And maybe once you tip me, and it makes you feel swell on a ratty waterfront in a ratty old hotel, and you never guess to who you're talking. You never guess to who you're talking. Suddenly Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was B. Arthur. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so. Uh... I don't know what that was from. <laughs> that wasn't her song from the holiday special. Oh, you you you've avoided my dastardly trap. Is that just you doing a B. Arthur connection to try it and is that, trick that was B. Arthur performing uh the Three Penny Opera by uh Bertolt Brecht. Uh, no, 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 I know that song well from the Christmas special. Cause cause now we have this one. Our grand finale. Just one more round, friend. Oh yes. Then homeward bound. Friend, don't forget me in your dreams. Just one more song, friend. And then so long, friend. The nights get shorter, it seems. Just one more rhyme, friend. Yes, it's a crime, friend. There's no rhyming in that song. <laughs> There's no timing in that song. <laughs> I mean, there's barely any music in that song, to be honest. It's... Oh, dear. I like it when they bring in the little... And they just... Oh, I really like... That's my favourite bit of that holiday special. I really hope we can review it next um, next year. So. Right. Pictures. Uh, for pictures, can I go first? Yeah. Yes. Because... I haven't got a plot as such. I just, I wanted to, I tried to come up with some predictions of what's going to happen. And like, I mean, in terms of reality, in, in real terms, like not just me being okay. silly. These are things that I think could actually happen. And some of them are a bit more obvious than others and feel free to kind of add on or whatever. All right. First prediction of mine, opening crawl. The <laughs> yes, Star Wars okay, theme plays. 
<laughs> well, bear in mind, I don't really know anything about Star Wars. I read up on it. So all I know really is what the film we just watched and the trailer. I've seen the trailer for what's coming up. Should we should we very quickly touch on The Last Jedi? Sure. There's not much to touch on. Before we get into this. Um, yeah, there's not a massive amount, but Ryan, Ryan Johnson is directing this mm. one. Hopeful. Perhaps somewhat foolishly, I am getting vaguely excited at the prospect of going to see it. <laughs> I like his work. Yeah. I think th- I think this one has the potential to be uh, like th- the best Star Wars film there is. To be perfectly honest, I think it could do that. Like the, the argument in favor of the Force Awakens being a complete and utter rehash was that they had to kind of reestablish the tone after the prequels. I mean, I, I'd argue that's total horseshit and a poor excuse, but they don't have that mm. going in favor of this one. So I do think there's scope now to do something completely different. I'm not convinced they will, but mm, I don't know. It could be all right. We'll see, I guess. Mm. Like I say, Ryan Johnson. Good. And he's he's now doing his own Star Wars trilogy spin-off series that's nothing to do with the, the uh, Skywalker saga, which suggests Disney are happy with which him. Which just suggests they, they've been happy with what he's done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, my concern is this, this is being the second film of the trilogy is that nothing's going to happen and it'll be all mm. irrelevant and we're just jumped into the third one, as is tradition. Yeah, I will be pissed off if there's no ending like The Empire Strikes Back. Well, I mean, I don't think there'll be a satisfying ending. Okay, so... I don't think Kylo Ren will get any redemption until the third film. So oh, he's yeah, just gonna, this film is just going to be completely. He's just going evil, evil, evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although, yeah. although With... maybe he'll turn good at the very end to fight against Snoke, but I doubt it. I think they're well, saving I it for think... the very end because he's a Darth Vader I th- clone. And... I'm going for the third film is going to be Kylo Ren versus the world. So I think the second film is going to be about wiping out any of his allies. So the big giant head mm. guy. Um, and, and, uh, and anything else basically but the other part of that is the Stormtroopers this is where Finn comes in I think they didn't do anything with him in a Stormtrooper so that's all going to come in the second film where he essentially incites a rebellion within the Stormtroopers somehow mm-hmm. he gets to them and says hey guys look we don't have to fight for these guys and it's going to become this big that'd thing and I think that's going to be like a mm-hmm. big ending yeah that, when, that'd be quite cool like it's, it's some big it's some big fight and the, and the good guys are losing and then Oh, look, the Stormtroopers are coming. Wait a minute, they're on our side. We're saved, yay. That kind of big... Um, but yeah, I, I I think they've got to do something with that because it's so disappointing that they didn't do anything. Yeah. Like they didn't. They could have even put in a gag like how he wasn't very good at shooting. <laughs> Don't they train you guys? They, nah, nah, they're not bothered about shooting. They just sort of think the numbers are going to make up for it. So I think, and I think we've got to do something more about, hey, look, all these stormtroopers are real guys, and so they can rise up and kind of turn against you. So you're going to have to come up with a way of like making them all distinctive looking though. So one's got a, a chip on his helmet. One's got a bow on the helmet because <laughs> they're the girl. One's got um, a scratch. I mean, what, what else can you do? Sunglasses. One of the one of the helmets is a bit warped, melted because he left it in the sun on like a really hot planet. One's got like the peace symbol drawn. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen if you see in the trailer, uh, Chewbacca has a little penguin pet thing. Yeah, I think pork. that's going to be a big deal oh, because. Yeah. That's your new toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we're going to see that a lot over the next six months. Oh, God, gotcha. yeah. Um, on every lunchbox and stuff. Uh, but they're obviously going to try and make it like the little tree thing in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, that's, I think that's the that's where you're going with that. Or an Ewok. Um, I mean... Oh, yeah. The other thing is that I think we'll be introduced to like a completely new species uh, that'll have to band together to help 
who and they'll have to band together to defeat the enemy in some yeah, way. Yeah, like that's the Ewok, in the trailer, basically. isn't it? There's the Porg and there's that kind of like intelligent Porg or something. What's a Porg? The penguin. Oh, that's what I was going to say. That's <laughs> that's what I was tying into. I was saying like I think we're going to have all those things, and he'll be like the leader or whatever, the one that buddies up with Chewbacca. But I didn't know that that's a. I didn't even know they had a name. I didn't know that was an official thing. Now, interesting that you said something earlier, Saul here, which I've put in here that. I what I want, but I don't think they they've got the courage to do it. Is for Luke to go to the dark side. Luke goes evil. I just I don't see why they do that in the middle. Although that would be the lowest of the low. They do like if this is going to be what my prediction for this film is that they will go dark and try and make this as mm. low as possible because that's Empire yeah. and everyone who loves Empire loves that it it gets to such a low point before making everything happy again in the third one. So I think they're going um, to emulate yeah. that uh, as mm. much as they mm. can. So that would be a good way to go out on a real bum note and just depress everyone, having Luke be like, fuck it, I'm evil. But I don't think they'll yeah, do Yeah, I mean, it. obviously it'd have to come good again at the end, but not necessarily the end of this film. I don't think they'll do it. Maybe and I, I think film. it's a shame because I, I, the time to do that was, you know, 30 years have passed. We're in The Force Awakens. Oh, he's a big evil guy now. But yeah, and, and it, it would it would be good. And like we see in the the latest trailer, basically he says, oh, the Jedi have to be wiped out. Or something. That's not quite the words he uses, but he says the Jedi has to end. So he's obviously like, right, I've got a, the Force is too powerful to anyone to have it because they can turn evil. So we need to destroy the Force, therefore destroy all the Jedis. And like then he makes it his mission to like kill everybody. That'd be great. And like mm. he'd have to kill Ray, and have to who then he sort of like turns out to be his daughter, and so then he's like, oh, I mean, this if there's anything that Star Wars does well, it's daddy issues. So that would <laughs> be perfectly in keeping with it, and because she'd have to kill him, mm. she'd have to kill him to 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 put it all to an end. Mm. Uh, anyway, but if they did have him go evil, they'd have to have him come good. They couldn't just kill him off. He'd have to come good, but then die in some sacrificial way. Anyway, what I think, mm. I don't think that's going to happen, frankly. But I think that with a big part of the beginning is Ray is going to be training to be a Jedi. With probably with Luke, he's like a new Obi. Yeah, we'll have a few I training think, montages, and she'll probably go into a big about, tree at one point. And yeah, what about Yoda? Is he gonna? Is he gonna turn up? Is he still alive? No, he's dead. Is he dead? What happens to him? I, c- I couldn't remember what he happens dies in the prequels. In, he becomes a Force Ghost in Return yeah. of the Jedi. Oh, that's it. Um, you can bring him back as the Force hey, Ghost. Yeah, you can bring them all back as the Force Ghosts. Oh, I bet they... Ooh. <sighs> I hope in Star Wars Episode Nine it ends with like Han Solo, Luke after he's died, everyone doing a little Force Ghost nod of approval to Rey, but like all the original Force Ghosts are there. She's got Darth Vader... Um, Alec Guinness, Yoda, and it's like just getting too big, and it's like you can barely, you know, those posters of the Simpsons characters where there's like hundreds of Simpsons characters, and it's like, whoa, look at how many characters there are. It's like that, but Force Ghosts. You've got hmm. Admiral Akbar because they should kill him off in the next one. You just have everyone. I know he's not a Jedi, but like he should be there. Well, <laughs> um, um, I think the beginning of the film is going to be like Ray. They're all sort of separated. Ray is going to be learning the Force and all that sort of shit. So that's going to be like the bulk of the beginning. But I think... It's like the Empire Strikes Back, isn't it? Yeah, she's... At some point, she's going to be overwhelmed by the Force and she can't handle it and so she runs away. After she goes into a tree and like fights... Has loads of doubts, lots of internal conflict and obviously comes good at the end. But I think there's going to be a big chunk where she's like off and everyone's going oh we need her to help us. She's not going to help us. There's going to be a bit where it's really cold and she has to 
cut open a porg and climb inside it for <laughs> a tiny porg. <laughs> yeah. What about this? If Luke is does remain a good guy, he will be dead by the end of the second film. I doubt it. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I can't imagine that now. Does he have to die to motivate her? Possibly. I I, I think if he was going to die... It would be just the he, first series of films. But. If he dies, then we have no Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, or Mark Exactly. Hamill. I think that's what they want, though. I think they, they want... Look, we've done it. We've done it. We've tied it in. Fuck off. No, they've got a, they've got a three-part thing here. They like. I think they would have kept mm. Carrie Fisher as their main connective tissue, but she died, yes. so... And Han Solo's been killed off. So I think, you know, um, they whether or not they plan to kill Luke at the very end, I, I think uh, he'll probably stick around to the last film. Even if he's only in it for two mm, minutes at the yeah. start, and then he kind of turns to Rey and gets lightsabered and disappears into nothing. <laughs> which you just know is going to be how he goes out. Yeah, probably. Okay, what about what about Ray having a bit of romantic entanglement? I think that she's got they've got to throw a bit of that in there. Yeah, um, probably, it yeah. seems like Finn Finn fancies her, but she's not interested. So I think her and Luke. <laughs> I mean, it would be in keeping with the, the and then thing. they kiss, but then they find out that she's uh, his daughter in the next film, and they're a bit like, oh, gross. <laughs> hmm. Oh, here's a good prediction. This is a this is a proper completely speculative prediction. I think one of the characters will lose an eye, and then in the third film we'll have a really badass-looking eye patch. Mm. My money's on Poe. I was about to say, I can see that happening with Poe. Might be a bit too um, uh, Snake Pliskin or whatever the fuck he's called. But mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly what it's going to be like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. the other thing is, at the, the end of the film, we'll, they'll, they'll think that Kylo Ren is dead and everyone will be happy, but then we'll have like a little... Uh, like his grave with soil just hovering over it or something, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just like a little a little twitch of the eye or something. Like, oh, he's there, and then credits, boom. That's that's the ending. <laughs> Whatever happens, they'll put him in a, a life support suit that makes him more menacing. <laughs> that's about it. I mean, if any of that is true, I'm going to claim complete credit. Uh, yeah. By just making, I figured if I made enough predictions, one of them's going to stick, and then I can go, yep, yeah, got that. All right, you go next then, Calvin. What's yours, Calvin? Right, well, I thought, seeing as this film is basically a new hope with a bit of Empire Strikes Back peppered in there. (laughs) Have you just done Empire Strikes Back as... Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, that's fine, because I haven't. (laughs) Okay, cool. I I decided to do an off-kilter thing and close my eyes and wave my finger around in front of all my Blu-rays <laughs> on my shelf and point at one and retrofit that into right. being the next Star Wait, 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 wait. So, I've, got, I've got flag on the fields. All your, all your DVDs are going to be in, in alphabetical order, so you know exactly where they all are. No, 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 they're organised by studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, that's the worst way you could possibly order them. No, because then all the studio logos match up and the BBFC things. But what about when a franchise moves from one studio to the other? You you can't put your Star Wars movies together because three of them are 20th Century Fox. I know. <laughs> Don't you it's think really he's... annoying? <laughs> it's only annoying because of, because you're a prisoner of your own fucking creation. You that is that is really weird, you know, that you have to have the studio logos lined up. 
But what about when the logos don't even line up? Yeah, do they have the them cases? in the exact same place? they don't time. always consistently match up. Well, no, but then it's fine, because then you can sort of put all the ones that do match up together, and then they sort of gradually... Well, I was going to say, how do you... how do you Within, within studio order, like, how do you order them within those groups? Uh, I don't really. <laughs> oh, that's um, just, oh, this that's is chaos. madness. This is okay, awful. It's generally whichever is most um, aesthetically pleasing. So, for example, oh, for Kickass sake, has a is... Kickass has a red spine, um, but other movies um, around that space tend to have white or black. I, so I do not approve no, no, this. this, is, this I, like, is honestly chaos. It would be. It, I would rather you ordered them just in like a spectrum, like from white to black, <laughs> going through every color on the. That would make more sense to me than what you're describing right now. This is this is dreadful. My uh, <laughs> my DVDs are uh, ordered in star sign of the director. <laughs> I mean, I, I've I have an odd ordering process actually, but I think it makes sense. I I mine are in all. What is it? Well, mine are in like rank order from like how little I like them to how much <laughs> I like them. But then clumped together by franchise, so all the franchises are together. Um, so, so if within a franchise, it's the best thing, and that franchise is the one that like places it. But that's good because it means that you've got all the, your favorites like ready to grab at the top. But if you want something that's not as good, you have to dig a bit deeper, get on your knees, look down at the bottom. Surely the the point the point of these things is to have. <laughs> easily accessible. That's why you do it in like alphabetical order because you go right. What am I looking for? No, it's easily accessible because all the ones I like to go to again and again, my favourites are at the top, so I can get them right away. <laughs> easily accessible. Well, I don't know. like how many studios are represented? I want to know how complex this system is because it sounds ridiculous. You've been to my flat. You've seen. <laughs> well, this. I didn't look at your blue. I just assumed it was in like random order. Just they don't appear to be in any comprehensible order. <laughs> so. <laughs> I have mine in uh, in order of the ones that I want to be seen with uh, are the most visible. So in case anyone ever comes around, they go, "Oh yeah, nice, nice taste in films you've got there." And then like, basketball is behind where you can't see it, <laughs> <laughs> but I get that one out uh, anyway. That was a nice right. little diversion. So what, what were you saying? I stood in front of my shelf and waved. All right, my so finger don't around. don't tell us what it is. I think we should play a game to see which one of us like guesses first, which one it was, oh. me or Alan. Oh, this is a really good idea. Okay, then. Yeah. Um, Can I ask you a question? You know, I've got them in studio sections. Yes. Are the studios ordered in any particular way? No, actually. Oh, no, Calvin, this is this is madness. This is really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're going to give us your pitch and we've got to figure out what film it's based on. Yes. Yes. Okay, go for yes. It. All right. So uh, my film starts right from where episode seven left off because I'm, going to try, I'm adapting the film to, yeah. you know, the... I randomly picked to make sense of, of this. So we pick up right where we left off. Um, Luke accepts the lightsaber from mm. Ray. Big emotional moment. And they go and have a have a wee chat. And uh, they're talking about like how Princess Leia really wants to see him again. She's been looking for him for so long and all this kind of stuff. And Luke's really like, he doesn't know if he can quite uh, like do it. It's been so long. Um, they had a big fallout, falling out when um, mm. he originally left. They had a big argument. Then they, they parted on bad terms, um, and he's not sure that he can go back and go face to face with her. But he really wants to see R two D two and um, oh no, sorry, BB eight and C three PO. 
and all the other even you even you can't tell them apart (laughs) (laughs) he really wants to see those characters again um but he doesn't think leia will let him so um it turns out that ray is actually a really talented makeup (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know what it is i know what it is (laughs) so i didn't (laughs) Uh, Luke decides to uh, disguise himself as a Scottish old lady and uh... you should have done this one last because it sets up next week very nicely <laughs> it does actually, doesn't it? Oh, yes. who, who's the Piers Brosnan character? Um, oh, Poe po. So, so yeah. Poe is shagging Leia <laughs> Well, no, they're not shagging because it's platonic It's a platonic look that we're dealing with okay. here because Poe is her new favourite. Ah, yeah. and uh, Of course, Luke doesn't want to shed Leia either. Well, he wants to, but he can't. <laughs> so he, he goes back to the rebel base and introduces himself as um, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Not even like Mrs. Did you guess that? Did you get did you oh, it? I, th- I thought you were doing Jurassic Park. I was expecting a new name. I thought it was going to be like Mrs. Power Force or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He look. He go, he has to come up with a fake name, and he looks around him. And he goes, uh, "Mrs. Uh, Lightsaber." <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he goes and he goes to the rebel base and introduces himself as the new droid care keep caretaker. <laughs> um, and he's so happy to spend time with three PO and R and uh, oh God, I keep doing it. Um, BB Eight again. Um, and they bond and they go and like James um, <laughs> and they go and like play in a park and stuff. And then uh, Mugger tries to take. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire's lightsaber, and he's like, he breaks characters like, fuck off, bitch. <laughs> threatens to punch the guy, and then they're on a bus, and a bus driver like, um, wait, who's Mrs. Doubtfire? Flirting. Luke. Yes. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a uh, Scottish Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Hello, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how, how I think it... Mark Hamill would be well up to this, <laughs> by the way. That's true. Oh, God, is the Joker never, like, dressed up as a Scottish peasant woman to infiltrate like, <laughs> a, a building? Well, I'm, seems like the I'm looking forward to the return of... Um... Oh, my God, I can't believe it was... It? It? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Ray. That's Ray. Oh, oh so she's got to do the she, voice. He... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have plenty of scenes of... Um, Luke um, bonding with the kids with with um, C three PO and Does, uh, is, there a, but is then, there a bit where C three PO walks in 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 the toilet and he's like standing up having a way and he's like oh oh my this is not what I expected most illogical <laughs> but then obviously Luke is getting quite upset throughout this whole thing because um, he's never met Poe before and now he he's, he's never met BB eight before either, but apparently he's very keen on him. <laughs> <laughs> And he's uh, he's uh, realizing that the droids actually quite like this new guy who um, Princess Leia's got hanging around, uh, General Leia. So uh, yeah, um, and then he meets um, uh, Maz Kanata, who <laughs> offers him a job on her new TV show <laughs> um, as the host, um, and uh, she offers to meet um, Luke at her cantina. Um, which was unfortunately on the same night that Leia and <laughs> Poe and C-3PO and BB-8 were planning about. 
<laughs> Sorry, I got my again. Is Luke also like the voice of Porky Pig? <laughs> well, he is an he is an established voice actor, you know. He yeah, can pull yeah, that off exactly. easily. Yeah, no, it all fits. It's it all perfect. Fits. Okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Luke has to juggle between his job interview with Maz and uh, trying to appear nice to the family. Um, and obviously this all goes tits up when Poe Dameron starts choking on a bit of um, blue milk. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Luke has to leap over the, um, the bar to Heimlich maneuver the blue milk out of him. And uh, then his, like, prosthetics all come off and Leia's, like, really upset and stuff. And she says, You've got a beard. Luke! Luke! I have to leave. We have to leave. We have to go right now. We have to go. He does that um, whole thing. And, um, yeah, and then C-3PO is upset. uh, And so is BB-8. And, um, anyway, they go to court and... uh, Leia changes the visitation custody rights that Luke previously had, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, and he gets to see the kids on weekends. <laughs> the the droids, the, happy the droids, ending. yeah, happy ending. And uh, of course, Carrie Fisher in real life did script doctor work on Mrs. Doubtfire. No way! No, she didn't really. I just <laughs> made that up. <laughs> she? Like, I could have believed that. I could have gone the rest of my life telling people that. <laughs> Looks great on Blu-ray, by the way, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> what studio is it? 20th Century Fox. Mm. What's it next to? Well, uh, Disney Disney were looking at buying them out recently. Maybe they were actually hoping to make the uh, Mrs. Doubtfire remade within the Star Wars universe thing of reality. <laughs> Maybe that's... I'm... <laughs> I think so. If you if you give me if you give me a moment, I can go and look at my shelf and then um, tell you what's ne- what it's in between. What we what we nearly had. Twentieth Century Fox. I mean, this is the problem. It's probably next to like Alien versus Predator and. Uh... <laughs> oh, Sol, you are so close. It is in between Prometheus and X Men: Days of Future Past. <laughs> sake. Oh God. <laughs> It's stressing me out to think of this <laughs> shelf. Anyway, Sol. Right. You you have a pitch. Yeah. Well, I, I, as we just touched on, you know, we know what I'm doing. So The Force Awakens, it's Star Wars, A New Hope. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just redid it. So I, I just, this is my prediction for what the next one's going to be. Um, just, just a rehash of... Uh, Empire Strikes Back. I, I nearly did a rehash of Toy Story 2, because I've done that sometimes on the <laughs> show in the past, but, but I, I didn't. I'm glad I didn't now after Calvin's pitch. As I say, let, let's see how similar this is to what we actually get. Three years after the destruction of the third Death Star, the new Rebel Alliance has uh, been driven from their former base to this really cold, icy planet. Um, I've gone with Hogth as a name, but I mean, it could be anything. Shoss. Uh, some new, some new, yeah, Frost. <laughs> the new bad guys, led by Kylo Ren, and are, are looking for them. Uh, and a probe that he sends out finds them. There's a big battle with these new robots that are like big robot llamas. Um, <laughs> they've got this thing where they spit at people just to like make them a little bit more interesting. Uh, <laughs> the rebels are forced to, yeah, 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 no lasers, <laughs> no fire, fire, fireballs, yeah, because it's icy and it'll melt the ice. Oh. That'd be cool. The rebels are forced to retreat, and then Poe 
and Finn escape on the Millennium Falcon with their C-3PO and Chewbacca, but the hyperdrive malfunctions, so they, they hide in a field of tiny moons, and uh, then they have a little snog. That's your romance there, Finn. Hmm. Uh, Kylo sends out a notorious bounty hunter, uh, this is a new character that we're going to get, to find them. We then cut to Rey, who we last saw approaching Luke Skywalker on his rock, uh, Luke reluctantly accepts her as a student and trains her to be a Jedi. Poe and Finn go to visit Poe's old friend, Randy Paulson, uh, but they lead the bounty hunter to them inadvertently, and, and Randy hands them over. He sort of double-crosses his old mate. Uh, Ren then has a premonition of her friends in, in trouble and pain, so she leaves to save them, which really pisses Luke off. Uh, Kylo Ren then has... Poe frozen in a block of siliconite, and uh, Randy, feeling bad about what he did, and also having been double-crossed by by Kylo, uh, initiates uh, an escape, and they all get away, apart from Poe. After arriving there to help, Rey has a fight with Kylo, and he chops off her left foot, and uh, then I've written a bit of dialogue for them. Uh, Luke never told you what happened to your cousin. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your cousin. (laughs) And uh, she drops into a shaft and falls into the sky, but is able to telepathically summon Finn and that lot to rescue her in the Millennium Falcon. They have a big action scene escaping. Uh, She gets a robotic peg leg and they set (laughs) up to find Poe and save him. The end. And uh, look forward to the fourth biggest Death Star yet in Star Wars Episode (laughs) Nine. Are are they going to address this concept of Luke as her father? I mean, yeah, they they must. They they will. Are they going to come into play or is it going to be the third film they're going to have a big thing about? Oh, maybe in the third one. I I, I reckon they'll do it in this one because... Do you know what I'd like to see in the new one? Okay, go if on. I could, if I could, like, have a wish list of, like, best things. I mean, number one, obviously, we want to see old Jar Jar. Jar Jar is an old man. That goes without saying. That's just <laughs> that would be pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, me are yeah. so tired. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, no, no my, my biggest uh, wish list... Uh, dream scene for the next film is a scene where Kylo Ren picks up BB-8 and like drop kicks him like a football into a goal <laughs> <laughs> across <laughs> across the field. That that would be pretty good. What I'd like to see is when BB-8, like if he drops from a height or something, like his body drops, but like his head separates slightly and then pops back on <laughs> like a cartoon. <laughs> like, carry- <laughs> I'm with you there, Calvin. What do you? What's your uh, most wished for scene in the next one? Uh, that it would be two and a half hours of just C-3PO in every scene. <laughs> oh, uh, but I, you know, I don't think that I'm likely to get that. Can, can, have you mastered the old C-3PO voice yet? You need to. You need to change it a bit. Oh, hello, R2. It's me. <laughs> All right, not that C-3PO. <laughs> Should we should we finish off our Star Wars season then by uh, ranking ranking the films all of them? Yeah. Worst to best. See how we place them. Yeah. So for me, starting at the worst, uh, we've got Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, dreadful film. Mm-hmm. Three point five out of ten for that one. Then Episode One: Phantom Menace, four out of ten, dreadful. Then we have mm. Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, five out of ten. Not a not a good film. Mm. Uh, episode three, Revenge of you should have you should have made that clear. <laughs> uh, episode three, Revenge of the Sith, 
6.5. Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, 6.5. Uh, episode mm-hmm. 6, Return of the Jedi, 6.5. Rogue One, 6.5. And then, at the top, the original Star Wars. Later huh. changed to Episode 4, A New Hope. Um, I'll go with mine. Um, we're doing worst to best, right? Yes. Um, okay, so worst to best would be um, Attack of the Clones at the bottom, then Revenge of the Sith... Oh, this uh, this is madness. Phantom Menace. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. uh, <laughs> um, it's got to be Force Awakens next, surely. Um, uh, yeah, it is Force Awakens. Then Rogue One, and then a New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Alan, Attack of the Clones. Three yeah. shit. All right. Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> The Sith one, five. Return right. of the Jedi, five. But better than the other two, to give it some credit. <laughs> Phantom Menace, six. This is fucking mental. My god. <laughs> What? This is the worst Star Wars ranking ever. <laughs> Come on, then. Force Awakens 7. Oh, fucking hell. I, I thought it was alright. I thought it did exactly yeah. what a Star Wars film should do. I bet if you watched it immediately after the three prequels, you'd be going, Force Awakens, worst Star Wars film in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Rogue One, 7, but better than Force Awakens. I, I preferred that as a film... I don't mm. think it fits in with Star Wars very well, but it's not really supposed to, is it? So it's all right. And then uh, the original Star Wars 8, I still think it's a very... And I've never been a big fan of it, but I think it is. it does what it's supposed to do. It's very solid, and there's a reason why it was popular. So yeah, there you go. Interesting. Ooh, that was Star Wars Season a trilogy of episodes following on from our original Star Wars episode so so now there's four Star Wars episodes of Diminishing Returns if, if you enjoyed this but haven't heard those other ones go and check them out and indeed check out all the episodes of the show that we've made to date there's loads of them go to dimreturns.com that's a good hub you can see everything that's going on with the show all the episodes are available there and of course if you've enjoyed this Star Wars season please do do us the favour you know of uh, rating and reviewing us on, on iTunes and liking us on Facebook and Twitter follow us on Twitter you know the drill at Dim Returns Pod is us on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash Diminishing Returns Podcast that's us on Facebook so once again, thank you ever so much for your support. Um, of course, you know, more than anything, just just tell your friends, you know, spread the word. Help us conquer the galaxy one listener at a time. Next week, we're back to our normal format, just doing a film tying into a release coming out soon. And then it's our big Christmas special, which is going to be something rather special. Um, so look forward to that. And then it's our big review of the year episode, where we look back at everything that has been and gone this past year so uh, yeah yeah we, we should be seeing out the year in style and we invite you to join us for that see you next week bye <laughs> <laughs>